Well, good morning, church family. We're in a series, only the second week in the series, on the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel is a story about uh, a bunch of Hebrew uh, young adults, specifically four of those, that had to live against the flow, that had to, were actually uh, POWs, prisoners of war, taken captive and had to live in another country for God. And how is it that you live against the flow? And the parallels that we see in Daniel, uh, all the way through Daniel, is a lot to have to do with us as well today as we live against the flow. In 2023 and 2024 and on, we will live against the flow more and more than we ever have, just living our normal lives as Christians. Christians have always lived against the flow. The Bible calls us aliens and strangers in this world as we live for God. So through all through Daniel, we can see some parallels there for us. I, um, last week was an important message in um, this whole series, and I hate to start with an important message because you think, well, it's downhill from here. But it's a really important message that was in Daniel chapter, uh, Daniel chapter 1. And it was the fact that, that God was leading and controlling and in control uh, of these prisoners of war, uh, Daniel and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they were in, uh, as they were captive and as, as they were prisoners of war. And we saw that last week uh, through chapter 1 that God was there and God was not uh, flustered, God was not frustrated, God was not uh, freaked out. Oh, what am I going to do? Because uh, people have invaded our country in Judah and taken some of them off uh, to Babylon. No, he was in control. We see that in several places. In Daniel chapter 1, we see it all the way through the Bible, but it's especially prevalent in Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And verse 2 is really important. Because verse 2 says, and the Lord delivered. Other translations will say, and the Lord gave. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Whose hand? That was Nebuchadnezzar's hand. Okay? And so what the, the text doesn't say that Nebuchadnezzar's army was just such a great and such a powerful army that they overtook the army of uh, Judah. It doesn't say that. It says the Lord gave. The Lord delivered. Um, God is in control here. Even though some of his people are being ta taken captive, he's in control here. The Lord gave Nebuchadnezzar uh, the power and the desire to be able to do this, and he gave his people into their hands. Now you say, why would he do that? Well, Daniel chapter 9, I read it last week, talked about how God's people had been disobedient. God's people had turned against him, and he was um, uh, disciplining them in, as a time in Babylon, okay? But we see, even amongst uh, these Hebrews that are prisoner of war, we see God is in control. God gave. We jump down to verse 8 of chapter 1. It says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. There were several things as a prisoner of war they were asking Daniel to do. They changed his name. They changed his language. They, get, they, they schooled him for three years in the ways of Babylon. But Daniel drew a line somewhere, and it says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself that way. And we talked about that last week. And verse 9 says, now God had caused the official to show favor. So Daniel says, hey, I don't want to do this, Mr. Official. Mr. Chief Official, I draw the line right here. Don't make me eat of the royal food and the royal wine. 
And if if we had the whole story up there, the, the official basically said, "Now, hey, I'm going to get I'm going to get killed if you if you all start looking unhealthy because you're doing this." But even before that, it says God granted favor to Daniel, and He granted him favor that this chief official would look upon him with favor and with compassion. We see God leading. We see God directing. Even though His people are prisoners of war. Verse 17, we see it again, and it says, To these four young men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and, and, and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. God gave these four young men great wisdom. God gave. God protected. God gave favor. God is acting all the way through. Daniel chapter 1. God is in control. But as we said in the very first message on January 1st of this year, we talked about but God. And no matter what goes on in your life, there's a but God moment for you. That God will, will come and God will rescue and God will change the scene and God will reorder things. But God, we talked through that, but we said when God comes like that, we have to respond. And when you get our response along with God's action, there's a spark that happens and you get a but God moment in your life when we respond to God. And look at the but God moment in chapter 8. It says, and, and, excuse me, in chapter 1, verse 8, it says, but Daniel. So you got but God, chapter 1, uh, the Lord gave, the Lord granted favor, and the Lord gave. Then in verse 8, but Daniel. But God did this, but God did this, but God did this, but Daniel. When you have the free will of man that comes along with the power and the sovereignty of God, something can happen. When you have the free will of man that responds, but, God resolved, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. When you get man's free will that meets God's sovereignty, God's power, God's action, something can happen and you have a but God moments that we talked about on January the 1st. Now, I do a lot of preaching about our responding to God. I do a lot of preaching, and you hear me say, and you're going to continue to hear me say, that our choices matter. You know that's true. It's all the way through God's Word here that our choices matter. And, and I preach on that. I will continue to preach on that. I preach series on that, and that is absolutely right. But I don't preach nearly enough on the other side of that equation. Yes, our choices matter. Yes, me, we must respond. But yes, God is working. God is moving. God is showing favor. God is, is, is putting things together just so when I respond, things will take off and work. All the way through chapter 1 and all the way through Daniel, we see the sovereignty of God. That God is in control. We sing about it. He has no rival. He has no equal. And when God is on the scene, and when we respond to that, some sparks can fly and things can happen. And I think I do a pretty good job of preaching about choices, but I don't think I do nearly as, as good as preaching about the God that is working, the God that is 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 undertaking the God that is setting things up the God that is working behind the scenes and that's what I want to talk about today 
We see it all the way through the book of Daniel. I want to talk to you today and tell you that God is sovereign. And even in that word sovereign, you see the word reign. God reigns. God reigns. When they started singing choruses about 30 years ago, we thought we were so cool because we sang, Our God reigns. Remember we sang that? Our God. We sang it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. What does it mean that God is sovereign? It means he reigns. It means he has no rival. He has no um, equal. I like the way Dr. Dennis Kinlaw, one of my professors at Asbury Seminary, I can just remember to this day in theology class, Dr. Kinlaw says he has no competitor. Don't think that the devil and God are in some kind of cosmic battle to see who's going to win. Whatever the devil is doing is because God has given him leash to be able to do that. God has given him freedom and reign to work for a certain amount of time. There is no equal. There is no rival. He has no competitor. God's sovereignty means that he is in control and he answers to no one. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we sing about. This is the power that's in his name. And I've just come to remind you today of something that you know, but we may not live with that knowledge. Something that we know, but we may not let it affect our, our, our daily lives is the fact that God is in control. He is sovereign. He answers to no one. He has no rival. He has no competitor. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. I, I could spend the rest of the 30 minutes talking, listen, your verses, I'm not going to do that. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head above all. Job chapter 42. Job says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. God is not frustrated about what's going on in 2023. God, God is not up there scratching his head. God is up there, not up there fright, frightened, God, fretting. God is not up there biting his fingernails and all anxious and wondering what's going to happen because she has cancer or, that, or that, that marriage has fallen apart or because of that miscarriage or whatever. God is in control. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. Our choices matter. Yes, they do. And I can't fully ever explain that and, and, and explain how those two things go together, but the Bible teaches both of those. But today I want to lean on the sovereignty side and say, what impact does that have in all of our lives? I want to tell you this morning that because God is sovereign, we can give him reverence. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our worship. When we come in here today and we sing songs to him, we don't sing songs to, to one of the many, many gods that we have. And it just happens to be the God that we've chosen. We don't sing songs to the God that we hope ends up being the most powerful God. We sing songs to the one and only, the God that sit, is sitting on high, the one that the Bible says even right now in Isaiah chapter, chapter 6 tells us, What's going on right now in the throne room of heaven as God is seated on his throne and angels and seraphim and cherubim are all around him and they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what's going on in the throne room of heaven right now. That is our God. 
We talk a lot about the personal God, the personal nature of, of God, and he absolutely is. But you know something else that he is? He's other. He's distinct. He ain't like us. That's why he sent his son in the form of man, in the form of man, in human flesh, but the person of the Godhead is sovereign. He's in control, and because of that, he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our worship, and we can reverence him. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord. You used to hear something you don't hear too much nowadays. You hear, used to hear people say, well, that's a God-fearing man. That's a God-fearing woman. And that fear doesn't mean like afraid and, and cowering down. That means respect and, and a healthy awe and a healthy respect and a reverence for the God who is. The God who is in control, the one who has no rival, the one who has no uh, competitor whatsoever. The fear of the Lord, the reverence of him, the awe of him, it's, that's, that's the key to wisdom. That's the path to wisdom. It's the beginning. You start to really understand things when you grasp that this God is worthy of worship, that this God is to be revered. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, the very first petition in that prayer was, Our Father in heaven, may your name be holy. Our Father in heaven, hallowed. Hallowed. The very first petition. And, and, and the model prayer, the very first petition, God, I pray that your name would be holy that your name would be hallowed, that people would see you for who you truly are, high and lifted up, seated upon your throne, sovereign God with no rival and with no equal. <laughs> because God is sovereign, because God is sovereign, he's worthy of our worship. We can reverence him. You know, if you're active at all on any kind of social media, you, you've seen these three letters. If you're not familiar with that, people write those three letters on social media all the time and when they're uh, shocked by something or whatever, and those three letters are, oh my God. May I say that God's name is not to be used in a trivial way flippant way now most of the people that write that don't know what they're doing they didn't think through that they, they have no intention of of writing omg and somehow think that's trivializing god's name or that's mocking god's name or that's being flippant with god's name but i can go buy birthday cards and say lordy lordy look who's 40 Or hear people. Somebody talk about the man upstairs. <laughs> Friends, God is sovereign. 
He reigns. He's in control. And we are not to approach him in a flippant, trivial way. One of the criminals on either side of Jesus on those three crosses that day, one of the criminals started to mock him, the Bible tells us. One of the criminals started to mock him. And the other criminal on the other side in Luke 23 says, don't you fear God? Oh, hear me, friends. God's personal. God's personal. God, 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 God cares about me. I, I, I can talk to God driving in my car. And God is personal. He's up close and personal. He wants a personal relationship with me. But in the exact same way, he's holy, holy, holy. He's sovereign. He reigns. He is in control. Has no competitor. And he's worthy of our worship. Yes, our choices matter. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, our choices matter. You're going to hear me preach that more and more. Yes, choices matter. But yes, he's sovereign. They're both true. Don't lean too much on this side and too much on the other. They're both true. Don't apologize for that seemingly contradiction, that seemingly contradiction there. Well, how can, it's your contradiction yourself. Your choices matter, but God's in control. What is it, Mark? Yes, it's both. It's absolutely both. Uh, one guy tried to explain it to me this way, and this is not a super way to explain it. It's just we can't, we can't wrap our minds around this. But, but one guy tried to explain it with me. He said, he said uh, imagine that you have a chessboard and you're playing chess with God and you can move your pawn wherever you want to and you can move your bishop and you can move your, your rook and you can move your queen and you can move all over the board. But God's in charge of the game. God's in charge of the game. What Do my choices matter? Yes, I move that pawn wherever I want to. And you know what? Only a God who's totally sovereign, only a God who is totally all-powerful, omnipotent, only that kind of God can give me free will but still be in control. You know, he could, he could I guess he could make me a robot or make you a robot, and then he'd really be in control because he just pushed buttons. But God is so in control that he gives me free will, he gives me free choice, but he's still leading and guiding and, and, and sovereign over the chessboard. <laughs> How do you explain that, Mark? I don't know. And I, I give no apology that I don't know. Both things are taught. Both things are taught. And we say amen to both of those. He's worthy of our worship because he's sovereign. We have, we have no business coming in here today unless we're worshiping a, a, a sovereign, all-in-control, unequaled, no-competitor type of being. And that's who God is. And that's who God is. I know you know this. 
But if you're like me, I'm not sure that the awareness of this is really on the forefront of my mind. I can be aware that my choices matter, so I got to be make good choices, but also equally need to be aware that God is running the chess game. I can be on an ocean liner. Somebody tried to describe it to me like this. I can be on an ocean liner. You know, on that ocean liner, I can choose to live on the, I can choose to get a room on the second deck or the third deck or the fourth deck, or I can choose to go play shuffleboard, or I can choose to go swim, or I can choose to, to go eat. And when I go to eat, I can choose whatever I want to eat. And I got a lot of choices, man. It's pretty cool. And it's also, I got a lot of choices. You know what? But I can't determine the destination of where that ocean liner's going. I got a lot of choices. I got a lot of choices. But God is in control. And because he's sovereign, he's worthy of our worship. Also, because he's sovereign, you can trust him. You can trust him. Now, not only if, he, if he's sovereign, but he's not good, I don't know if you can trust him. But the Bible says he's sovereign, he's omnipotent, all-powerful, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, but the Bible says he's good. Man, I can trust an all-powerful being who's good. I'm not sure I could trust an all-powerful being if I, if I didn't think that he has my good in store and that he's a good being that will make right choices. But the Bible teaches that he's all-powerful and the Bible teaches that he's good, that he's truth. There's no falsehood in him. And because of that, I can trust him no matter what the situation may be. I can be able to trust him. There's a story in 1 Samuel. Eli was a priest. And the Bible says he had two sons that were trouble, 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 trouble. But one translation says they were scoundrels. Can't remember if the Bible gives their name. They probably, probably not give their name. I'll just give them Christopher and Levi. You can just understand right there. <laughs> Bible says they are scoundrels. <clears throat> Bible says, depending on translation, they had no regard for the Lord. They had no regard for the Lord. So, God tells his prophet Samuel to go to Eli the priest and to tell Eli that God is going to discipline him for the fact that his kids are scoundrels. And and, and basically, Samuel goes and tells him that, and I didn't include this verse up there, but it basically it says, because your kids are the way they are, because they're scoundrels, I'm paraphrasing, because they're scoundrels, and, I'm not paraphrasing now, had no regard for the Lord, and, I'm not paraphrasing now, you did not try to restrain them. That's powerful right there. So Eli the priest wasn't being disciplined because his kids are honoring. If you take the full thing, Eli's being disciplined because his kids were honoring and Eli didn't do anything to restrain them. You, you can go read it. 3, 17, 8, right in there. And what is Eli's response? So Eli, Samuel comes, the prophet comes and, and tells Eli that God is going to exercise discipline against you because your kids are honoring and you haven't done anything to restrain them. And Samuel's response in 1 Samuel chapter 3, 
Verse 18, Samuel says, <clears throat> He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Now, Eli's going to come under some discipline here. It's, it's not going to be easy on Eli, but Eli knows God is in charge. No, God makes good decisions. No, God can, can not do anything but the right thing. And he says, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes, even if it means punishment on Eli the priest. God's, God's sovereign, and he's good, and you can trust him. Even if you're a prisoner of war in Babylon, even though your marriage has fallen apart, even though the divorce has been finalized, even though there's been the miscarriage, even though through the business failure, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. And I can say that because he's sovereign and he's good and he can't do anything but the right thing. And the only wise thing for me to do is to humble myself beneath his decision. When we, when we worship, frequently there are times at the altar that you can come and you can get into a position that I'm not sure you get into anywhere else. You get into this position of humility, this, this position of worship. You know, as I kneel here in front of you like this, I don't feel very manly. It's not a very comfortable position for me to be in. And we don't come to the altar and stand up. We, we don't come to the altar and, and are, are flipping about it. We assume this posture, which is a posture of, I'm not in control. It's a posture of worship. It's a posture of, of reverence. He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. I was talking to somebody who came in the office this week, and they got a situation going on, and just got, just got word that his mother has brain cancer, and you know, he's really close to his mom, and, and, and we were just processing it, and, and we're talking about prayer, and, you know, God answers prayer, and praying for that, but we also know that sometimes our desired answer to God's, of, of our prayer is not in the divine will. And I said, listen, you need to lead your family through this. The doctor says maybe max three years to live could be with, with chemo and radiation. If not, it's going to be a good bit less than that. So you need to lead your family through this and how you have faith and trust in God, even though we know she may die. When my dad died and we were all around the, the nursing room bed and when he died we didn't 
cry out why or moan and groan. We just held hands and, and we thanked God for Dad. And, and, and even though he, Dad died at 76 and I wish Dad was still alive today, Lord, you are good and you do what is right. When he, if you know he's sovereign, plus that he's good, you can trust him. You can trust him. In Genesis 18, you got the whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing. and God's going to throw fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah. If, you know, I can't even find 50 people. What if, and Abraham was pleading to him not to, not to be able to do that. And we have the passage that we have on the screen in Genesis 18. And Abraham says, far be it for you, Lord, to do this. Don't do this, Lord. To kill the righteous with the wicked. Treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the world do right? He knows. The sovereign God of the world, the judge of all the world, he'll do right. Whether it's the right that I want or that I desire or that I even understand. See, because he's sovereign, I can trust him. But I don't understand it. I can trust him. Who, um, I can't remember who it was. Some great theologian of yesteryear called this God's baby talk to us. See, God hasn't included everything in here. He, he, he's included what we need to know to trust him. But the, the whys and the hows and the how, how free will works with sovereignty and why some prayers are answered and some prayers aren't answered and, and, and why, why tragedies happen and, and he hasn't revealed those to us. He's just revealed that he's in control and that he's good and we can trust him. But I flatter myself because I want to figure everything out, right? We're all in the same boat. That's a human condition. And there come times that we may need to say something like Job did. <laughs> Though he slay me, still will I trust him. Though my wife didn't come back, still will I trust him. Low, though my son is living off in a far country, still will I trust him. Charles Spurgeon is a great preacher of the 1800s who'd often quoted, and I'm quoting right here, we go, when we go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow we rest our head on. It's good. When we go through difficult times, the sovereignty of God is the pillow that we rest our head on. He's sovereign. He has no rival. He has no equal. He has no competitor. And he's good. Because of that, I can trust him. Because God is sovereign. <laughs> has applications in our lives, right? 
That's not a, a stale biblical doctrine that you learn about at Asbury Theological Seminary. It has application in our lives for all of us. Now, if you're a thinking Christian, and I want you to be, I don't want you to be a Christian that just, well, that's what, that's what Mark said, so I guess I'll believe it. Drink, just drink the grape juice. You know, well, Mark said it. I, mean, I, I, I want you to be a thinking Christian. I want you to match up what I say with God's word. I, I want you to come to me and say, Mark, I don't understand that. Mark, I have some questions about that. And if you're a thinking Christian, you would have to ask the question, if, if God is in control, if he is running the chess game, if he is driving the ocean liner to the destination that it's going to get, and the only thing I do is choose if I'm on a second level or a third level or whatever, if, if, if God is in control, no rival, no equal, no competitor, then why do I pray? That's not a bad question to ask, by the way. Don't, don't, don't be upset or don't think you have a lack of faith because these questions come to your mind. I've told you this before. With faith, there will be doubt. It's, it's, it, that's why it's faith. The opposite of, listen, the opposite of faith is not doubt. Listen, the opposite of faith is certainty. We live by faith. And if you have a pea brain at all, you'll have questions. But you're asked to walk by faith faith even amidst those questions last week we showed the the little video of of indiana jones and man he was asked to step out on that precipice and there was no bridge there was no nothing there and he was scared to death he had gobs of questions in his mind and in a very fearful not a bold way he, he didn't step out there boldly in a fearful way with a hundred questions in his mind he tiptoed and, and then he got a look on his face like, I can't believe it. Don't, don't get freaked out about your questions. And one great question is, if, if God is in control, then why do I pray? If he's running the chess game, driving the ocean liner, why do I pray? And I just wanted to give you a different slant on that. I just want to tell you, because God is sovereign, your prayers matter. You are praying to an all-powerful, all-controlling, has no rival, no equal, no competitor. You are praying to somebody that can do something about it. You, you are not praying to an impotent God. He's sovereign. And if it's, if it's in his divine will to answer your prayer the way you've asked it, and man, you're talking to the right person. He's sovereign. His arm is not shortened. And that's why we're told many times in Scripture, we're told to ask. We're, we're told to ask. Ask. Well, if he's in control and it's going to go where he wants it to go, why do I have to ask? I'm not sure I know. One of the reasons I ask is because he's told us to. <laughs> ask. 
And you know what? When I pray, I'm praying to somebody that can do something about it because he's sovereign. He's sovereign. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul writes, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ever ask or imagine. Now to him who is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. James 4, 2's convicting verse for me. You do not receive because you do not ask. Think of that. Mark, what, what, what does that mean? I, 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 don't, know, I don't know, but it, I don't think it takes a Greek scholar to figure that one out. Somewhere along the line, James wrote that I don't receive because I don't ask. Was God this divine vending machine that gives me? Of course he's not. But still, he tells me to ask. He tells me to ask. And man, I'm asking the right guy. I'm asking the right God. If there's a whole bunch of gods lined up here, I'm, answered the, I'm asking the one who is, can do something about it. His arm is not shortened. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, depending on your translations, he says to pray without ceasing. But he's in control, pray without ceasing. But he's in control. He's, he's, he's running the chessboard. He's driving the ocean liner. Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. That doesn't mean you never get off your knees. That doesn't mean you stay in your lazy boy all, all day long and with your little prayer journal. No, you go about your life. But you just keep a running conversation going with him all day long. You don't have to be in some kind of prayer room or prayer closet to be able to pray. I can just pray continually. I can continually talk to him as I'm driving down the road. And I'm talking to somebody that can do something about it. Only because he's sovereign. And what he will do, and what he will do, whether it's the answer I want or not, what he will do will be good. Visited Lonnie Shattuck yesterday. I don't know why Lonnie's still alive. Just laying there in that nursing home bed. Took him some chocolate milk. Take him some chocolate milk if you, if you go see him. But I don't know. I walked out kind of depressed and almost saying, Lord, just go ahead. But I don't have to understand it all. God is sovereign. And the Bible says he's so sovereign. This is one I can't get my hand around, head around. The Bible says he's so sovereign. He knows the day that Lonnie was born and he knows the day that Lonnie's going to die. Every time I leave mom, I said, Lord, just go ahead, Lord. She's got no, she's got no life left. Go ahead, Lord. And I don't know. He hasn't yet. 
Last night in the hospital with my dad, before they moved him into a nursing home, I, I prayed. I said, no, Lord, I don't want him to go to a nursing home. I really don't. Would you take him tonight? Just, just take him right there, right? Just take him right now, Lord. And the Lord didn't do that. He chose to take him two weeks after he went to the nursing home. Why? I don't know. I don't know, but I, I can rest at peace with that question because God is sovereign and he's good. I can have that question that I don't know and I can't figure out and why did do that. I can be at peace with that question because I know he's sovereign and I know he's good. I can live the rest of my life with unanswered questions and I'm okay with that because God is in control and God is good. The judge of all the world will do right. And I've told you before, somebody says when we get to heaven, one of the greatest expressions that we will say over and over again when we're in heaven will be, oh, So that's why that happened. God is in control and you can worship him. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our trust. He's, we can pray to him because we know our prayers matter because he can do something about it. And the sovereignty of God has everything to do with the cross has everything to do with those questions that people always ask about why is Jesus the only way you know you got sincere people over here of and sincere people over here and you got sincere people of this faith and sincere people of that faith and and they're sincere you know they're good people too and they're sincere and can Jesus really be the only way Bible clearly says that. Well, if God is sovereign, if he is in control, then a sovereign being can choose, and I'll use this word lightly, it's not a great word, can choose the system of salvation whatever way he wants to make it. He can, he, if he wants to, he can say all red-haired people go to heaven. <laughs> but you see what I'm getting at? He's God. And because he's God, he can do whatever he wants to. And aren't we glad that this sovereign God has told us the way? We don't have to, well, I wonder if this is the right way. I wonder if this is the right way. I wonder if this is the right way. We don't have to pick, well, I think that's the right way. That's the way I like best. That's my truth. I'll walk that way. No, we can rely on the God that it says Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father except through him. <laughs> sovereign he makes the decision and who in the world am I to question him oh you Christians you need to be more inclusive <laughs> God has made the way and we're as inclusive as God is inclusive our servers are coming to the table I don't know how this message hits you this morning. You may need to come to the altar and talk to the sovereign God that can do something about whatever prayer request that you have. You, 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 may, 
need to pray even though you've been praying or you just may need to humble yourself and said Lord I, I didn't know why it happened that way but the Lord of all the world I know you did right Father help us as we bow before your sovereignty help us as we kneel before you the only really being in this world that is worthy for us to kneel in front of help us help us get a grasp as much as we human beings can that you have no rival you have no equal you have no competitor Jesus name Let's worship in this next few minutes as you choose.